Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean the Weekend Edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at the weekend. That's a Saturday and a Sunday for you. Uh, the All Blacks uh, did what they do. Uh, Richard Taylor, Sir Richard Taylor, is doing what he's doing, promoting creativity uh, wherever he sees fit. And is it all right to uh, give your kids sleeping pills for long flights? But before any of that, uh, let's uh, uh, discuss Greg Boyd. After the Christchurch earthquake, a schoolmate of mine, this really fit, bright, funny guy, he was the captain of our cricket team, 25 years old, 25, whole life ahead of him. He'd gone out to get some lunch, and a building fell on him. That was it. Life can be so fickle. Life can be so fickle. And it's easy just to get in a mode, you know, where you're just grinding away at work and at home and, and months pass or, or years pass and you fret over stuff that doesn't matter. You know what it's like? The, the noise of modern life is all-consuming. It just drowns everything. You're on the treadmill. It never stops. And it takes an almighty jolt in your life, Greg dying, to realise Actually, so much of that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't. If you love someone, tell them. Tell them today. Visit them. Ring them. Send them a text if you have to, just out of the blue. Hey, how are things? I've been thinking this week, and I just want you to know that I love you. Because none of us know what is going to happen in life. None of us really know. One minute Greg is sitting on a bench teasing you for not having polished your shoes and then the newsroom smells like flowers. Yeah, I mean, if, I guess if anything positive uh, has come out of the news of Greg Boyd's death, it's uh, people discussing uh, depression and suicidal tendencies a little bit more openly. Um, and people like Hannah Norton, for example, she joined Lorna Sabritsky yesterday morning. Look, this was a really impanned piece. Um, it, it certainly affected me quite emotionally. What drove you to write it? I think um, it's one I've had sort of on my, on my desktop of my computer for a while after the death of a friend. And um, this, I, I was conscious of the fact that it was quite triggering. So I did hold on to it and want to release it sort of with with warnings. Um, I've been personally affected by suicide. I am the child of of a mother that committed suicide when I was young. So I guess there's that element there. But also I, I've got a lot of male friends who have been affected or going through depression. So it is a, a topic that I'm really passionate about. Um, and there was also a lot of feedback about it. Yes, um, both really positive and also quite negative too, which, which I had I have to definitely take on board because because of that triggering aspect. What yeah. what message did you want to get across in writing this piece? I think you know a lot of my family had said about my mother that actually if she could have, you know, she she would be horrified to to I guess watch me grow up. Yeah. knowing what she had done in a way. And yeah. I think that would have been potentially the only thing that could have pulled her through, even though it didn't, we weren't able to save her. Mm -hmm. So I guess the message, and it's a hard, it's a really hard line to walk because there's also this element, a lot of people drew from it, and I've taken that on board, this element of guilt. Um, but it's the message isn't about 
that. It's about saying, you know, there are so many people that do love you. Yeah. Um, and I know that, then that can, I know that people that are depressed and suicidal don't necessarily love themselves, but hopefully the people around you, their love can assist, not fix, but assist in pulling you through. Right, well, let's uh, move on from a subject matter that probably matters more than anything to something that really doesn't matter at all, rugby. Uh, But, oh, it's fun to watch, isn't it? Unless you're an Australian, of course. Thoroughly enjoyed that last night. As a game of sport, watching the skill of those players and watching Bowden Barrett was a joy for me. Yeah, exactly. I feel exactly the same. It was an actually it was an exhibition of rugby, uh, where both teams were very much part of that exhibition. I mean, the standard of play. I thought the, the minimal errors, uh, com, you know, compared to probably the week before, but compared to most games, was quite outstanding. I thought under that sort of speed, you know, trying to play a game at a fast pace, it really does expose. Uh, a lot of players it exposes everything actually tactical decision making vision as as Bowden was just talking about and of course uh, operating under pressure which is where New Zealand was just sublime last night and that's what told the story really with the Australian team you know they were really in that game for 60 minutes last week 40 minutes and uh, and then in the end we were just you know too good and we put too much pressure on it on them and they were making mistakes so uh, oh, yeah that's the question that's one of the questions i've got for you is that why can they seem to be competing toe to toe then suddenly bang oh we've scored 15 points how does that happen well i call it the team factor so i think at the moment it's fairly clear to me anyway that and and this is a very important part about um about coach development and and player development is you know the number one criteria for any coach is to put a a combination of um coach and management staff together that can develop an environment that can create this team factor that where everybody is on exactly the same page. Oh, I was with Murray Mixted there right up until the point that he said criteria instead of criterion because he was actually only talking about one. Oh, shame. Uh, so Richard Taylor would never make a grammatical mistake like that, I'm sure. Richard, how hard do you have to chase work when you're in LA? Uh, well, it's not just LA. We chase work in multiple yeah. countries around the world. China and and America are the two primary places that we're chasing work. Oh, pretty regularly. Uh, I, you know, I've always uh, been of the view that I never want to rest on my laurels, and I never want our team to. Uh, it's imperative that uh, you're trying to put work in for the future. Um, it's all about retaining staff, of course. If we had a mentality that we let people go between jobs, it would be less imperative that I'm mm. facing work in the distance. But uh, because we want to retain the people that have gathered around us and offer them long-term careers, uh, then it's a relatively common thing that myself... We actually have people hired in the company that go up to LA quite regularly to uh, to chase new jobs and just uh, keep an ear to the ground. Yeah, that's interesting. So, 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 well, that's a, so. So, so for you, it's a um, perhaps a sense of responsibility for 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 everyone at Weta and your employees, and wanting to give them not only productive projects but stimulating projects. Correct. I want to make sure that we're doing stuff that is worthy of their talent. 
uh, that's, a, that's an imperative because otherwise that talent will leave you because the work you're giving them is not stimulating. I wonder if there are people who leave because the work is too stimulating. Because uh, that feels like somewhere, I, you know, I don't want to be too stimulated. That sounds like too much of an effort. Just the right amount of stimulation is, is what you want. You don't want to break into a sweat. That's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, we're going to uh, finish up uh, by trying to keep your kids not stimulated at all on long flights. Is it right to give them sleeping pills? Should there be kids-only sections in planes? And obviously the parents will have to be there with them. But uh, it's the do's and don'ts of long-haul flying. and um, With kids. With kids, absolutely. With kids and Particularly, I think with toddlers, that's the most um, the, f- the most fractious age. But also, um, you know, when when uh, when you you've got babies, and the change in air pressure affects their ears, so they always cry when you take when the baby when the plane's taking off. They cry when it comes down again. If it's rock and rolly, they cry all the way through. For me, I don't think there should be. Uh, it's a bit like the the kids, you know, kid free cafes. Mm-hmm. I feel that uh, kids are part of life, and uh, we can't exclude them or sort of ghettoize them. I know it's hard to control kids, especially toddlers, on planes because toddlers like to move around, particularly little boys. We've got uh, three little boys, and they like to wander. Uh, they like to they like to talk, but it's a question of how you manage the kids. Uh, I have not had experience on long haul flights. Probably the longest is an hour and a half to Nelson. Uh, when we've uh, when which we've, isn't long haul, really, is it? It's it's not. But uh, if things are cutting up rough, <laughs> then uh, then every every moment can feel like an hour. So Tim Wilson there, uh, Tim Roxburgh chipping in. They didn't really get into the drugging your kids thing. That must have come later. Uh, I mean, definitely drug your kids. Uh, it, it, in fact, choose your destination by where it is the most legal to get the most potent sedatives you can give to your kids. We had these amazing uh, s- s- travel sickness strips they could suck that were orange-flavoured, uh, which seemed to work very well on the way back from a trip to the US when, when the kids were a bit younger. That was good. I, and Tim's wrong about not excluding kids from places. They should be excluded from everywhere. Um, I will definitely choose a place if there are no kids there over a place where there are kids. It's that simple. I am Glenn ZB, father of two, not really into kids. See you back here again for more News Talk ZB tomorrow.